everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today I'm joined by my friend Jesse and we are talking about the movie Serendipity. Hey Jesse. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I'm going to talk about some broad strokes of the movie. So the release date came out in 2001. It's uh, directed by Peter Chesholm, starring Kate Beckinsale, John Cusack, Molly Shannon, and Jeremy Piven. The IMDb.com summary is, a couple search for each other years after the night they first met, fell in love, and separated, convinced that one day they'd end up together. The IMDb.com rating is a 6.9, and it made more than $77 million at the box office. So, Jesse, mm -hmm. what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? Oh, I'm really interested to see how close we are. I rated this at a 4. I thought it was... What did, what did you <laughs> rate it at? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, I rated this a six. Okay. I was a little forgiving. Okay. Um, but I would love to unpack <laughs> your four rating. Let's start with what you actually liked about the movie. Okay. So I think when this movie came out, how old were we? Like 14? We were 16. 15, 16. 15, 16. So I think... I watched this movie when it first came out and I remember liking it for some reason. So much so that I'm pretty sure I dragged you to Serendipity 3 multiple times in the city. So my memory is actually we went to Serendipity 3 for your 16th birthday. Is it because of this movie? Do you remember? Oh my god, I think I made my 16th birthday <laughs> the plot to Serendipity without even knowing it. <laughs> I have a feeling it was because of the movie. Probably. But that's okay. When you're 16, you know, you're, you have, it's, it's ages ago, but 16, you're a totally different person. I do feel like a different person now, but I do remember the 16 year old me just really loving the idea. I think it was more like a love story about New York City to me. Just like, I was mm. like, oh, it looks like they're having so much fun fun there like what I really liked about the movie was like it, it seemed like it was all filmed in New York like on location they went to a bunch of independent bookstores I don't know if you noticed that mm -hmm. but those were like real bookstores mm -hmm. like there was a scene in housing works um the only thing I wasn't sure about was the subway I didn't know if that was real or not yeah so the subway I wasn't taking the subway in 2001 because yeah. we were still in high school and not living in New York but I have a feeling it could have been that grungy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I think what I liked about it was I just, I'm a sucker for Christmas movies in New York City, like Home Alone 2 mm. and stuff like that. So I think that's what I liked about it. And that's about it. Yeah, I think maybe, <laughs> I think for you, you probably liked this movie as a 16 year old because you were like, New York is so cool. Mm -hmm. It's so aspirational. It's so fun and bustling or whatever. But I'm going to continue on with what, what, like, what I like about uh -huh. the movie. So I like the movie. I gave it a six. So I'm very surprised that the IMDb.com rating is as high as yeah. it is at a 6.9. I would think that people would be ripping this movie to shreds because it's incredibly unrealistic. Yes. But what I like about it is just purely John Cusack mm -hmm. and Kate Beckinsale. I think they're charming. I think they act well in the mm -hmm. movie. Um, I don't think that I have high expectations going into the movie. So I was, I think, a little bit more forgiving in my rating. Um, but agree with you about New York City. I think it is safe to say that it's a pretty strong character within the movie. I think, I think they filmed for sure in the city. Yeah. So, you know, you and I, we grew up in New Jersey. So we were like so close to New York. And maybe it was just, I can't wait until I can be of age and go live and play in New York City. Yeah, like and John do. Cusack would come find us and chase us around yes. the city. So I was looking at both John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale's IMDb, um, like where they were when this movie came out. So John Cusack was riding really high. Mm -hmm. I think, so prior to this, he did High Fidelity and America's Sweethearts and Serendipity all within like a two-year streak. And then Kate Beckinsale did Broke Down Palace and Pearl Harbor and then oh, this wow. movie. So 
I think both of them were, I don't know if it was peak, you know, but like they were both at a really high place in both of their Mm -hmm. careers. So I think this movie works just because they were were. in the cultural zeitgeist, I guess, at the time. I can see that. Same with Molly Shannon, I think. I feel like she was very hot then, but I don't really see her too much now. Yeah, yeah. Same. Um, It doesn't seem like we have a whole lot to expand on about what we like about the movie. So let's move on to what we don't like about the movie. Do you want to kick that off? Okay, what I didn't like about the movie. I'm going to start my laundry list. Number one. (laughs) I think, first of all, the complete impracticality of the whole thing. Like, mm. them, like, always missing each other, but being so close to seeing each other. It was almost like a cock tease. I think also right off the bat, in the beginning, the willingness to cheat from both of the main characters, I found kind of, like, deplorable. But you're supposed to think it's cute and right. romantic. Um, also, like, John Cusack is coming on pretty strong. I mean, I feel like if you went up to, like, in real life, if you went up to some girl and was like, hey, can I have your number? And she was like, no, you should say, you should just walk away instead of being so persistent and her being like, well, if fate wants us to be get together, then we'll be together. And I think like, mm-hmm. I don't know, he was just very pushy. I also thought the movie was actually just kind of boring. It was, I thought it was pretty vanilla. <laughs> like I felt like uh-huh. throughout the whole movie I, I didn't know if I was supposed to like Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack I felt like they didn't really have any depth if character like you said like they were like really hot celebrities at the time so maybe it was just like a fluffy movie to watch two well-known actors like prance around New York City I thought the friends were very enabling and <laughs> obnoxious I felt yes. like if my best friend was about to get married in a day, I wouldn't be like, yeah, go look up that girl that you spoke to once four years ago and see if you have a shot. I think now is the perfect time to do that. Don't think that sounds very realistic. Mm. I don't know. I think that's sort of all I've got. Interesting. So I basically wrote down the exact same things as you did. I, I literally wrote, I don't like anything in particular about the movie because as a whole, it's just too saccharine. It's too convenient. It's too over the top. It's too, con- it's just, yes, yes, there are some obstacles in the way, but it's just like nanoseconds before they could have had their re-meet cute, yeah. I guess, you know, and none of the plot is believable or realistic in any way. Right. I also think that I made a note that Jonathan and Sarah, which are uh, John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale's characters, they are pretty terrible people for leaving their partners in such a lurch. So Jonathan leaves his fiance, uh, Hallie, I Mm -hmm. think her name is, the day of the wedding. And then Sarah leaves her fiance, Lars, who is John Mm -hmm. Corbett, a week before the wedding, I think. So... That was also just entirely convenient. Like they both happened to be, you know, just about to get married and then all these signs kind of come back into their lives. It's just, it's a little silly. And then one other thing I realized I don't like about this movie is this, this trend in rom-coms in general. So when you watch romantic comedies, a lot of these movies are when we see the protagonists uh, interact with each other, they have conflict with each other, they make Mm -hmm. up. But most of the movie is with the two of them together. So the quote unquote interesting thing about this movie is that we rarely see Jonathan and Sarah on screen together. We see them together at the beginning and at the end. So we don't really get to know them as characters interacting Mm -hmm. with each other. So you're not really like rooting for them in any way. To your point, it's kind of vanilla, right? Like you're just like, okay, I'm just going to watch this unfold but you don't really feel invested in either of these people's characters. Cause you're just like, I guess I'm just along for the ride. We don't really see a lot of depth of mm-hmm. these characters 
Yeah, there's just not a lot to root for them no, for. No, I definitely agree. I feel like, you know, like you said, most rom-coms sort of focus on the relationship between the two characters, whereas I felt this, the focus of serendipity was like the chase or like the hunt to find the person is what you are invested in and not really like their actual relationship, mm-hmm. which they basically don't show at all. Right, right. Yeah. We don't see them have any conflict with each other it's just conflicts of coming back together after a few years later which you're like it's it's interesting i guess (laughs) (laughs) it is so we can we can i guess move on to themes i think that's a nice segue um about this whole concept of fate and destiny which this is movie is so overt in talking about fate and destiny it's kind of obnoxious but I wanted to, I guess, get your thoughts on the concepts of fate and destiny within this movie. Um, I thought it was really interesting. There was this like one scene that I, that kind of stuck out to me. Like, you know, at, you meet Kate Beckinsale or Sarah, sorry, you meet Sarah in the beginning of the movie and she's like, she only believes in chance, right? She believes in serendipity and like this, what does it mean again? A fortunate chance? Uh, like a happy or accident. A happy accident. Um, and she like leaves everything up to fate, like her whole life up to fate. And then there's like that scene, like they're like a few years later and you catch up with her and she's like a therapist in training. And then she's telling that the student was like, oh, like, you know, like things didn't work out with me and my girlfriend. And she said something like, you know, you really have to work at a relationship. You can't really just leave things up to chance. And then I thought, like, that right. was going to be the catalyst for her, like, being like, I'm not going to leave things up to chance anymore. I'm just going to, like, go and do my thing. Like, do you think, like, there was a through line from, like, that scene and that's what made her go to New York? Or do you think she was just like, I'm just going to take a chance and go to New York? I don't know. I, I did think that that scene was a little interesting, the the therapy scene that yeah. you're talking about. Because, again, I agree with you. Like, why do they pepper this in within her character? Maybe... Is she just trying to be a professional therapist? And maybe she realizes that her whole idea of uh, fate and destiny are maybe a little yeah. hokey. And I don't know. It's I think she's in denial with herself. I think she also realizes this is ridiculous because she kind of lies to Molly Shannon's right. character, whose name is Eve. Like she doesn't even tell her best friend Eve what she's thinking because I think she's embarrassed to admit what she actually wants to like how this will unfold. I don't know. I think I'm too sensible of a person to believe in fate and destiny like that. Same so here. I think yeah. maybe that is something for rom-coms like fate is some, like you'll always find your true love or your soulmate or like someone, you know, who you are meant to be with in like a fleeting moment. But I do feel like that's not very realistic. I don't know. I think maybe just living in New York City has hardened us that is and true. just don't believe in the idea of fate and destiny but then there's also this other theme within the movie that i think is mentioned like the idea of soulmates Mm -hmm. i think sarah truly believed after she sees all these signs she's like jonathan is my soulmate and jonathan you know same thing so again i think i'm too sensible of a person to believe in soulmates but i think this is a common rom-com trope where we are led to believe that there's only one Mm -hmm. person for us And having lived to be in my mid-30s, it's just, I just don't agree with that whole idea of soulmates, I guess. I I definitely don't agree with that idea of soulmates either. I feel like it is sort of a very, like, naive, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe naive is not the right word. But a very very romantic way to think of things. Like, very Disney, very, like, grew up on Disney and rom-coms way to think about things. I think... Yeah. Maybe we just we are just too similar minded. Like maybe if we just met somebody who could defend the concept of soulmates, maybe I could be swayed, but I think in my own personal life and it's, it just hasn't panned out that way. You know? I mean, we've had this talk before about like chemistry, you know, and I think like Mm -hmm. chemistry is a real Mm -hmm. thing. So like there are definitely people out there that you'll definitely like more than others, but I don't think it, whittles down to one perfect person for you and I think a lot of what makes relationships great are is the work that you put in it into it you know don't just like leave everything up to fate and happy accidents Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the idea of chemistry is an interesting topic as well. I yeah, we've we have talked about this and while I do think chemistry is important, I think maybe chemistry isn't the first thing mm-hmm. I look at in a relationship, but maybe it's just um a dumber version of soulmates. Not dumber, a dollar but you know. Version. Like, yeah. A duller, like a, a softer oh. version of, of yeah. soulmates. But also if Sarah and John believed so much in soulmates, they're kind of dicks for marrying someone they knew obviously wasn't their soulmate <laughs> or willingness to get engaged to. Yeah, it's pretty shitty of them. But I don't know. Is it? I think maybe they had lived their lives in hopes that they would rediscover each other. But then they were just like, I guess this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I guess I'll just Oh, you know what? Settle. I wanted to know, which I don't think the movie made clear, so I made some assumptions. But in the beginning, when they both mm. said they had a partner, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, is it supposed to be the same people they are with a few years later? Were they referring in the beginning of the movie to Lars and I forget the... Lars and, and Hallie. Um, I don't think... So. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I think you're right. It's not explicitly stated the the pessimist in me wants to say they were probably with different Mm -hmm. people just because I don't know how many years later I think the movie alludes to saying like four years or like seven years later I I don't really know how many years later yeah I wasn't sure either I guess that's just the convenience and magic of rom-coms right it's just let's just gloss over these details that would be pretty major details in real life do you have a favorite scene in a movie that you rated as a four? Yes. I th- <laughs> so, what, what scene would that be? I, apparently I had one emotional reaction during the whole movie. And it was okay. such a cheesy part. I was, it was more like a surprise. And I guess that means it was my favorite scene because it moved me to vocalize about it was... When Haley gave John Cusack the book and it had Sarah's number in it. I'm such a mm. sucker. So I actually really like that scene too, because I think as an audience, we kind of expect this book to be the book yeah. from Sarah. And then the way that John Cusack acts it yeah. out, it's, I think he did a good job having no words in that scene it's just a look on his face it's a lot of you're like okay this is the sign okay I'm also getting married tomorrow okay my fiance is the one who gave me this gift um I think he's like trying to unpack a lot in that one scene and I do think it's quite impactful too was that your favorite too you know I (laughs) I struggled with coming up with a favorite scene and I'm finding it to be a trend where the end scene is my favorite because it's usually when the couple gets together uh-huh. and they reunite, whatever. I literally wrote the skating rink scene, I guess, <laughs> because I don't have any other favorite moments. Okay. <laughs> usually I have like a funny bit, like a comedic scene is usually one of my funny, uh, my favorite scenes mm-hmm. or the emotional scenes, but there were no laugh out loud or emotional scenes for me in this movie. Yeah, I did not shed a single tear in this whole movie. Same. I I smiled. Like I had a warm smile, I think, that came across my face when the song plays, the, the Nick Drake song plays, and you're like, okay, this is a happy and warm moment for, for them. Yeah. No, that was cute. But yeah, I don't, other than that, 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 yeah, no other favorite scenes. This movie, I think, has some cliche rom-com moments. Um, Notably, maybe it's not notable, but for me, the the one scene where Lars is proposing to Sarah and it's like this crazy over-the-top engagement. It's comical how over-the-top it is. It was was Uh, supposed to be comical, right? Or was it supposed to be like, people will think this is romantic. You know, I don't know. I think we're just so jaded, you know? Like, when we saw this at 16 or 15, you're probably like, oh my gosh, this is what a proposal is? And then the older you get and you start hearing, like, your friends getting engaged and I got engaged and it's just, no, that's not how it happens for a lot of people. Yeah. I will say, though, the box within a box within a box within a box gift idea, I have had a former boyfriend do that for me. Do you think they watch Serendipity? 
And that's where they got the idea. It's possible. It's very possible. And it was a very sweet gesture. But at the, at the in the moment, you're like, what is the gift? Like, what is it? You're just like constantly unwrapping yeah. stuff. And then you're like, this is a terrible waste of gift wrap. Um, I have a question here. I don't think it's a rom-com moment, but you alluded to this earlier about how Jonathan is kind of a creepy man. Yes. But I also want to like highlight that Sarah is equally crazy. Yeah. I don't want to say crazy because it's not a nice word to use to describe somebody, but she's strange. She is. But like, I think this is a very cliche moment where a man kind of is allured by a woman who is a little bit offbeat, a little Mm -hmm. bit different, a little bit strange and goes along with it just because it's love at first sight. Mm -hmm. It's, he just finds her beautiful and has no other yeah. questions but to just follow I think, her. Isn't that a common trope in all rom-coms? It's like that manic pixie dream girl sort of thing, like very like Zoe Deschanel being like, she's so quirky and cute and I don't need to understand her, but like, whatever. Yeah, I think so. But like the manic pixie dream girl is, is very much a Zoe Deschanel. I think mm-hmm. she's the one who um, put a label yeah. on it, right? But that... That was like 500 Days of Summer. That didn't really yeah. come out yeah. until like 20, 2008 or nine. So like movies prior to that, I think it is definitely a rom-com trope to yeah. your point. It's just... I always wondered, like, do you think while watching this, like while I was watching the movie, like, and not knowing anything, I was like, I bet this was written by a man. Did you mm. ever think about that in terms of like, her character or like the whole premise of it I'll be honest like I don't really think about Uh it that much but having like done some research now and looking at these movies at a more critical eye I do wonder a lot more if movies were written by a man or Mm -hmm. a woman and this movie was written by a man his name is Mark Klein and maybe it's just this projection of what the writer wants women to be or what they think women are defined as lovable someone fun and mysterious that they don't really have to get to know that's that's my analysis (laughs) that's that's really sad but probably very true (laughs) yeah this movie it just it goes down easy you know i don't think we're meant to question it a lot it's just it's over the top in every literally every sense of the word so Moving on to a segment is uh, my WTF moments, which are plot holes and the most unrealistic uh, moments within the movie. I wrote basically the entire movie (laughs) is a WTF moment, but I can call out very specific ones. Because my answer for this was it's too boring. I don't have any WTF moments. (laughs) (laughs) It's too boring. Well, it's funny because I was watching it and I was like, oh, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. But then you kind of forget what you're watching. Yeah. And then I, I stopped pointing them out because the entire movie is a WTF. Yeah. Um, but okay, so specifically when Jonathan and Sarah are at the Waldorf Astoria, uh-huh. the first day they meet with the glove and all that stuff. And let's go into two separate oh, elevators yeah. and pick a random floor. So the Waldorf Astoria is a fancy hotel. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, I was like, no way would a fancy hotel just allow two people off the street come into their hotel and have access to their residential elevators. Yeah. I think that there would be security in place for that in this day and age. True. Um, another scene is that when Sarah is flying back to San Francisco and she has Molly Shannon's wallet by accident, uh, the Prado or Prada. Yeah. She realizes that she took her friend's wallet while she's on the plane, which leads me to believe, like, how did she get on the plane? Exactly. She didn't have ID? Yes. Or were the TSA regulations different? Yeah. But yeah, on a weird note, so this movie came out actually in October of 2001. Yeah. So this happened right after the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. So it was actually funny because we actually like Googled, Googled if they took out the Twin Towers in post edit mm-hmm. and they actually did. Yeah, I saw that too as part of my trivia research. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. And like, maybe this movie did so well because it came out after Mm 9-11 and it kind of romanticized New York City as a whole. That is true. Oh, I've thought of another plot hole 
or WTF moment yes. while we were talking. Um, when at the end, your favorite scene, the ice rink at the end, when he goes <laughs> back and he like finds a random jacket on the bench and just knows it's hers. Right? Are we supposed to assume mm. it's hers? Yeah, it's definitely hers. I don't know if he knows it's hers. I think he's just like, oh, this jacket's here. Oh, okay. I don't know. That's how yeah. I took it, at least. And then I thought the character Lars was a giant WTF. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I literally wrote the same thing. Really? I wrote, Lars, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Is I think it's meant. I don't know what the writer was thinking. Like it's just a caricature of this new age musician. It's, it's horrible, but like funny. Yeah, if he's meant to be comic relief, it was like this weird line that they towed really fine because like, are we supposed to be rooting for Lars? Are we supposed to want them to be together? But you just can't get over the fact of how ridiculous he is. Yeah. I think maybe they... So John Corbett, who plays Lars, uh-huh. I think he gets more of a fleshed out character than Jonathan's fiance. Yes. Who is played by Bridget Moynihan. So I think they did Hallie a disservice. Right. Like, that girl, I just feel for her. She's just there as an accessory. But Lars is a little bit... Mm-hmm. We can laugh at him, I guess, but... He's just a ridiculous character. He's quite funny. I do think like most of the characters, including John and Sarah, were pretty one-dimensional. I felt mm-hmm. like the only one that had like a little bit of depth was uh, Jeremy Piven. Mm-hmm. Because I guess, I don't know, like it started and he was like, he has this like perfect relationship from the outside. And then like into the movie, you realize that like it's not as perfect as it seems. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting because one of my questions here is that asks which character has the most character oh, development. Oh, jumped ahead. And for me, that that's fine. Mm-hmm. For me, that was Jeremy Piven's character, yeah. whose name is Dean in the movie. Yeah, he he like you said, he's in this picture perfect marriage from from the outside in, but he takes a cue from Jonathan's quote unquote foolishness mm-hmm. and feels inspired to like fight for his wife yeah. and like try to work for it. So. Uh, Jeremy Piven's character is also quite questionable. There are some things that do not age well about his character, but I do think he's the one who grows the most within the movie. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So let's talk about the ending. Um, I know that was my favorite favorite scene just because because there's no other scenes that I could think of. Do you have any other thoughts about it? I, for the ending, you know what? I just wish that they, instead of the... I want like another, like a second epilogue where it shows them after Mm. like five years in their relationship and they're so bored with each other where they're like, the best (laughs) part of our relationship was trying to find you again and you're actually quite boring because we still know nothing about them. They know, well, they know nothing about each other too, which is ridiculous, you know, but I guess I can on a small note relate to these characters I guess it's the question of like what if Mm -hmm. or you know you wonder what would have happened if so-and-so was still in my life or these signs all led to so-and-so so they don't really touch on that because they just play it out I guess Mm -hmm. but there is that question I think a lot of us ask ourselves like what would have happened if we stayed with that person or a sliding doors moment, for lack of a right. better word. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I agree with you. The ending, it's, you know, it's kind of vanilla. But I did note that the moment that they reunite on the ice skating rink, uh-huh. I kind of appreciated the moment that they see each other, they walk towards each other. It's not like some over-the-top, she jumps into his arms and, like, they yeah. kiss and make out furiously. I liked that there was, like, a soft, tender moment mm-hmm. But they look at each other uh-huh. and they like touch their hands. It was cheesy. It was you cheesy. know, like, oh, I'm, All that I'm Sarah. Fake, beautiful I'm Jonathan. Snow falling on them. Yes. <laughs> Everyone else completely left and they're all alone on this like public ice rink. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but I did take a moment and be like, huh, I like that they kind of took it slow and then they continued to kiss each other. Yeah. But that's the only note I had about the ending. But agree, I think it'd be cool to see like an epilogue 
but it would be probably, yeah, they're just bored of each other. Maybe they're not even together anymore. Maybe they've divorced. Maybe. Actually, so after I watched the movie, did you read the review by Robert Ebert? It's hilarious. <laughs> I So I didn't actually read it, but I saw that he gave the movie one and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty horrible. But can I just tell you that it was something like, one of the, one of the things he said was like, you know, Sarah and John, they'll, they'll get married and they'll become really boring. And like, they're going to be that couple at the dinner party where everyone's going to be like, whatever you do, don't ask how John and Sarah met. It's like, this is their story. <laughs> this, this is like the only thing they have going for them because they're just so boring. That's funny. Roger Ebert. So I maybe I should make it a point to read his reviews because his takes might be very interesting. Yeah. Um, but there's some truth to that, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of like love and passion at the beginning of relationships. Mm -hmm. But then usually, you know, things settle down and life just becomes about living the day to day. It's not about adventure and looking for signs and mm -hmm. questioning the idea of fate and destiny. So do you have a favorite character? Did you say Jeremy Piven was your favorite no, character? No, he wasn't my favorite. I don't really have a favorite character. I feel like it's supposed to be Eugene Levy, but I don't really think he was. You? Eugene Levy was... So he was a fun face to watch, but he was so annoying. I think that's obviously yeah. meant to be like the comic relief of the movie. But so... My options are slim, yeah. right? Our options are pretty slim in terms of the favorite characters. So I chose Eve, Molly Shannon's character. Uh -huh. I think mostly because she's the most relatable, I think. Right. She is the voice of reason. But she's so she's such a nice friend. She's such a good friend to yeah. Sarah. She humors her and stays in New York. But then she also has this moment where they're at, at Serendipity 3. And she's explaining to her, like destiny is not real like yeah. life is hard and it's chaotic and you're supposed to make bad decisions and it's messy and you learn from your mistakes so in that moment I think maybe Sarah comes to the realization like that's when she is that I, I forget maybe I think that's when she goes back to um San Francisco mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the only reason why Eve is my favorite character. I like that. I, Just because she's the most sensible. Yeah. I will say, I think I said in the beginning that their friends were really enabling, but they were actually also, like, really good friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, in real life, this would have played out at a much slower pace, right? It would have been, like, weeks being like, you're crazy. No, Michelle, don't do this. What would you do if I were, like, <laughs> my soulmate was this man I met at a bookstore? Three years oh ago, gosh. I'm going to California to go find him. Would you come with me? I would not come what with would you. you do? If you bamboozled me into going, like what Sarah did to Eve, like by buying her a ticket to go, maybe I would be going, but it wouldn't. It would be against my will. But I, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe I would humor you a little bit. Maybe that's why, again, maybe this is why I like Eve's character. It's just, she humors her and then she's like, all right, let's, I gotta be real with you. Yeah. This is not the best way to be going about this. But if you did that, and I hope you don't. <laughs> Those years have passed me. I think it would have to depend on the situation. Yeah. That, that would be a lot to ask. So you mentioned Christmas in this yeah. movie. So when I think about the movie... I do think of snow and Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a Christmas movie, though. Like, the yeah. um, conflicts aren't really... christmas -y. Like, Christmas doesn't really actually play into any pivotal scenes, right? Yeah. But I can see how this could be watched more during Christmas. Yeah. Or like a wintry, a wintry New York. Yeah. Loves yeah, a wintry New York. Agree. Mm -hmm. One other note or call-out that I noticed while watching this movie is that they blatantly say the name of the movie in the movie. Mm -hmm. So the definition of serendipity is the occurrence and development of, a, of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. And I think that a lot of movies aren't so on the nose about, mm -hmm. oh, this word, and then it becomes the name of the movie. Okay. Do you think that the director knew what he was going to call this movie and then just serendipitously found serendipity three the frozen hot chocolate place 
Mm. Or do you think he wants a like was eating there and had an idea for a movie? Interesting question. I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous to base a whole movie off of a restaurant. That's true. So maybe he did come up with the the theme and the concept of it first, and then happenstance found serendipity the restaurant. Yeah. But yes, it was a very much like I'm gonna hit you over the head with the theme of this movie. Yes. Yeah. I so I used to live in Midtown, mm-hmm. and serendipity is in Midtown, and I every time I would try to go, it was just such a long wait. So I wonder how much business this movie gave the restaurant. I think it gave the restaurant so much business. I think it did too. Yeah, maybe it was like not really a big thing until this movie came out. I did look I did look up Serendipity 3 after watching this movie. I was like, "Oh, I wonder if they're still open. Maybe I'll go one day." And they do have they still have a like a still from the movie in their on mm. their website. So, I think they're really sticking with it. I just looked it up. So this the restaurant uh, was founded in 1954. Oh, wow. So I guess that was their. Fault. I don't know. Maybe they they did make the movie from the restaurant. I don't know. Which is silly. Maybe it was just uh, it was serendipity that he found the restaurant. Serendipity. Agree. Maybe just fate that this all happened. Maybe. Um, so the book, Love in Time of Cholera. Oh, I never read it. It, it was a heavy theme and I was like, I don't get it because <laughs> I didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a book that I've tried to read, I think, a handful of times. Uh-huh. And from my like literally like two second research about the synopsis of the book, uh-huh. it does include the concept of love at first sight. Okay. So maybe that was a little on the nose and like a little nod to the whole concept of yeah. love at first sight. But it was interesting book choice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else to expand on that because I haven't read it. But. I haven't read it, but I know that um, the author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, is known very much for the magical realism style where you kind of just like suspend reality for a little bit. So I feel like maybe like while watching Serendipity, you're supposed to suspend what would really happen or what you think like would happen to an everyday Mm. person um and sort of just like follow them through this like magical love story maybe interesting okay yeah i think we're trying to make it more important than Than it actually the movie i was like does everyone die in the the time of cholera am i making that up yeah i have no idea how it ends but i would seem it would make sense because it's a disease Yeah, okay, so let's move on to okay. uh, trivia, which is just, we, we talked about a few, is that the World Trade Center towers were digitally removed. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out the same weekend uh, as Training Day, the movie with Denzel Washington and yes. Ethan Hawke. And this serendipity, this movie, opened at number two in the box office uh-huh. following Training Day. So, which to me is very interesting because they are very opposite movies they and... Are. Maybe at the time when this movie came out, they were just really wanting some lighthearted, sweet movies, I guess. Yeah. But Training Day was number one. Wasn't that the movie? Training Day was number one. That Denzel Washington was nominated for an Oscar for? Yeah, he won the Oscar for that movie. Mm -hmm. So Jeremy Piven and John Cusack Mm -hmm. apparently were best friends. Apparently they are no longer best friends, which makes me a little bummed, but... They kind of grew up together in Chicago, and I thought that was just a really random note because I think they did a lot of movies together too yeah. in the 90s and 2000s. So one other note, which is kind of not in relation to the direct plot of the movie, is that so Miramax is the studio that backed Serendipity, and uh, Harvey Weinstein was the head of Miramax at the time. And so when this movie came out, the premiere was clearly after the 9-11 attacks mm-hmm. and Harvey got upset with Kate Beckinsale by not dressing sexy enough for the red carpet. And Kate Beckinsale, I think her defense was, she's like, uh, 9-11 just happened. It was like a tragedy. Like, I'm not using the red carpet to dress sexy for you. Yeah. So Good for her. Yeah. I think I think I saw this on her Instagram or like yeah. people.com or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but... So if we watch the movie, does that mean Harvey Weinstein gets money still or what? Because <laughs> that's unfortunate. I don't think so. I think he's been removed okay. from Miramax. Yes. 
I think they sold it actually. Yeah, I think a lot of these rom-coms in like the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of them are Miramax produced movies, unfortunately. Yeah. Um so, on a more lighthearted note, mm-hmm. why I think we talked about this earlier, but like why do you think this movie has a 6.9? Like why do you think people like this movie as much as they do? Is a 6.9 good? 6.9 makes me feel like they didn't like the movie, but they were too like nice to just give it like a really bad score so i think for rom-coms so not knowing a lot about what other movies are rated this seems high to me i don't know why either man (laughs) so okay so for reference this is a 6.9 um 10 things i hate about you has a 7.2 okay but i also feel like serendipity didn't have the staying power that like 10 things I hate about you people like will rewatch and be like I remember when I watched this as a kid like it's not as strong Mm. as like that one or like love actually or even like she's all that like I don't know if it was really do you think it was popular I don't think it was that popular so I have a theory too just thinking about it now is that So we were in our teens when this movie came out. Mm -hmm. But this story is about a couple in their Mm mid-30s. So rewatching this movie, we come to learn that Jonathan's character is 35 years old when um, Jeremy Piven is doing the voiceover of his obituary. And I stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, they're 35 in this movie? Like when I was 16, I didn't think of their age. I was just like, they're much older than me. But I think it doesn't have a huge nostalgic moment for me because it wasn't a story about people going through things that I was going through. It just seemed so far removed from my own life. Yeah. So watching it now as a woman in my mid thirties, you're like, you found it so much more relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I identify completely with John Cusack's character. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe 6.9 isn't high, but for me, for some reason, I, That's like a I'm i taking plus. it to be a high rating. A D plus? That's a D plus. 69? Well, like, no one's, no one's really rating movies as 10, though. Do you know what oh, I mean? Okay. So I think, like, the gauge is different. Okay. I don't know. Um, do you think this movie has aged well? I mean, I think the concept of it is sort of timeless, like, I think everyone always fantasizes about like a meet cute and like defying all the odds so I don't think it was too dated in that sense um there was one thing I wanted to like nitpick at was like when they like wrote each other's numbers and then they like go mm. through great lengths to try to find out like where they live I was like well if this happened today they could just call the number because nobody ever gets rid of their cell phone and it's always on them right yeah I think those are definitely things that didn't age well. It's like everything would be digitized. Like I have that that whole scene where they go to the, like this Queen's warehouse to find a carbon copy yeah. of the account number of Sarah's Bloomingdale's account. Like that just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Everything is digitized. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of usage of cell phones no. in this movie either. I mean, they all have cell phones. Maybe cell phone, when did, I guess cell phones were a new thing in 2001 yeah i think it was like it was not everybody had a cell phone at this yeah. time uh, yeah there's some other dated parts like buying headphones on the plane oh, where sarah yeah. like comes across the five dollar bill with jonathan's phone number on the back wait you still don't buy headphones on the plane i thought you do Were they all- i don't think you have to pay for them i think they just give it to oh, you yeah, now they do just give it to you you're right and then paying in cash. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. And then how Sarah's able to just get off the flight. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you can't do that. Nope. I guess in terms of, like, if this movie were made today, I think one thing I sort of noticed was the lack of diversity in the casting. 100% agree. Maybe maybe it would be slightly more diverse, but who knows. Yeah, we token, only see like, these, like... token best friend, the comic release. Yeah. I don't know. I would hope if this movie were made today that the protagonists themselves would be even more diverse. Like, not even just, like, the the sassy sidekick, yeah. you know, or, like, a funny best friend. I, I feel like, I don't I know. I think we're being too hopeful. I would hope that we've come a little bit further. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. But I don't think they need to remake no. this movie. Like, this, this can... 
This can just be it. There doesn't need to be another serendipity. No. Do you have any of their uh, last, do you have any Ooh. last takes or last thoughts? Let's see. Um, I'll just reiterate what I think is like, it's an okay movie. It's not something that I would rewatch over and over again uh, and go out of my way to rewatch. Yeah. If it's on TV and there's literally nothing else to watch, maybe I'll have it on in the background. But it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't really hold a lot of nostalgia for me, I think. Now having lived in New York for so many years, I think it does give good homage mm-hmm. to the city of New York. And I was watching this, and I was kind of like, I actually miss the city. You yeah. know, I haven't gone into the city in months at this point. Yeah, it made me it made me miss it, even though it's literally in my backyard. So yeah, it was it is a great love letter to New York City, I think, or as a backdrop. I don't think I need to see it again. And I guess, like, I realized why I've only really seen this movie once since it came out. So I guess this is, like, my second time. What? Almost 20 (laughs) years later. 20 years later. Oh, my gosh. Shit. Did you watch it, like, since 2001? I think I've seen it in bits and pieces. I don't think I've properly sat down and watched it. Yeah, it's not something that I would reach for. Yeah. Again. But, yeah, I guess... I still stand by my six rating. It's like fine. It does get, it's a little boring, but it's not like offensive, you yeah. know, and it's not. It wasn't like so boring that I like walked away from it, but I probably yeah. would have if I didn't have to talk about it with you and it was just like on the TV. <laughs> I would definitely have changed the channel. Well, that's why I thought it was funny when you picked it? chose to, uh, when you picked it. I emailed you and I was like, I could already hear your voice break it, like tearing this movie apart. Did I tear it apart too bad? I thought I was going to be meaner than I was. No, no, no. You're fine. You're, you're good. But I guess maybe to wrap things up, maybe I should have started with this mm-hmm. question, but like, what is your general feeling and attitude towards rom-coms? Oh, yeah. I'm not a rom-com fan like you are. I find them very hokey I think you know the whole like also the whole like it sets bad expectations for love and relationships and I think this movie was almost the epitome of that of like Mm. unrealistic expectations on like you know finding a soulmate the lengths that people will go through to be with the one they love I mean I feel like in the beginning if you guys liked each other you should have made it work. Like you should have been like, here is my number. I'm going to go break up with my boyfriend and girlfriend and we will meet back here. But maybe that's just because I'm such like an organized type person who just likes to be very like concrete. But I think this is just too, yeah, it's kind of just like, it's just a dream. Like rom-coms are all dreams and not really like based too much in reality. And I think I guess, like, if you watch it now after you've been through, like, relationships and you've grown up a little bit, you can take it all with a grain of salt. But I think watching it as a kid, it could be – it'd be very interesting. Like, did you think when you were watching rom-coms at 12, like, this is what it's going to be like when, like, I'm dating or I fall in love and stuff like that or get married? Um, I 100% thought that this was what my life was going to be. So I agree with you that it kind of sets a bad precedent. But this is kind of why I think this unpacking of these rom-coms at this point in my life is an interesting take because I don't personally have a very dramatic love story, you know, and like all these movies that I watched growing up, all kind of are pretty dramatic. And sometimes I found myself as a child sitting and waiting for something Mm -hmm. dramatic to happen. And then you'd be like, oh, I guess whatever is at the end of this drama is my my person. And I think there was a period in college when I guess I was single, but... You quote unquote guess. You are John Cusack. I I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I must have been single. I was trying to comfort myself with rom-coms and I think it had the opposite effect you know I wasn't being comforted by them I think I was falling into more despair because of them because I was like why hasn't my love story revealed itself where is my John Cusack where is my 
random stranger who's going to sweep me off my feet in the city of New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm laughing now because that's actually how I met Frank. So, so it does happen. But, you know, Frank is no... Frank is no John Cusack. Frank <laughs> is no John Cusack. But, you know, when you're 16, yeah. you're and 15, you're incredibly impressionable. And when you think something is... Uh, I don't know, you... you you watch things and you're like, yeah. this you're like, could this happen. This is how my life is supposed to be. Which I thought was very interesting how you were like, my love life was not dramatic and you were waiting for that to happen. On the flip side, do you think that there are people out there who do watch these rom-coms and then purposefully make their relationships dramatic because that is what they saw in the movie and what they thought real love mm. was? I do think so. I think so. I think you're like if I'm being the, the, the spunky girl, like where I thought boys liked that, you know, mm-hmm. why, why isn't any man finding my, my quirks yeah. endearing or, you know, there's flip sides to that too. It's like a lot of women maybe are trying to find the cool mm-hmm. guy, but then at the end of the day, you're like, mm, the cool guy's kind of the boring guy, yeah. you know? So exactly. I agree. I think we all kind of have to go through life ourselves to identify yeah Yeah. and it is a dangerous rabbit hole it can be i guess if this is how you define love is by watching these rom-coms so like if you were to take a page out of kate beckinsale's book and you like had a really great you like met a guy off the street and you're like let's just leave it to chance i'll write my phone number in a book and then you're gonna have to go find it (laughs) like after i sell it like how many guys do you think would actually be like yeah, I will make that my life mission. And other people be like, no, nah, man, I'm yeah. just going to go. <laughs> yeah, zero. I, I think zero men would be into that. Be like, okay, yeah. kooky girl. Good luck with your life. Yeah, this movie, while it's neither of our favorites, it's it's still, you know. Something to put on in the background. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Jesse, for joining me in dissecting serendipity no problem i'm so disappointed in my 16 year old self is all (laughs) i've learned from this experiment but i would still go have those frozen hot chocolates yes one day i wonder if they're even good i I haven't had one in like 10 years well hopefully you'll join me for another movie one day hopefully one that has that isn't as boring sorry serendipity we can we can pick a more exciting one so thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us at Romcom Weekly on Instagram and let us know what you think of Serendipity. We'll talk to you again soon.